and I said, listen, Liz, if somebody doesn't want to work with me because I'm speaking out about what I think is true, then I don't want to work with them either. Welcome back to Wait Hold Up, a podcast where we talk to homegirls, experts, and others to help us live our most authentic lives. I'm Jessica. And I'm Yarel. And like always, we are so thrilled and happy that you're joining us wherever you are. We send you lots of cariño. We hope you're staying safe. And just like always, it's nice to check in with you and see you through our computers. <laughs> always the best part of my day if i'm being completely i'm being honest. honest as well okay you are the cherry on the cake <laughs> how have you been how has um the first i don't know what do we call this the first trimester of uh <laughs> not even i don't know the first couple of months of this new year how have you been feeling so far i mean i've had better starts two years so um yeah it's been interesting i think there's been a lot going on still so we can't really uh escape everything that's happening in just like our feeds and the news um but i feel like i've I've actually started to get like a groove a routine so feeling empowered feeling inspired to get shit done this year yeah i totally feel that i feel like there's definitely been it's been about like the little joys Hmm. like finding the moments that like bring you joy right that bring you peace, that sort of like brighten up your day. Um, and so for me, that, that has been like finding some fun with TikTok and like the incredibly creative videos that people have out there. I'm like, y'all are brilliant. Right. How do they do these things? I, I don't I'm, I'm still new to TikTok. So I, I, I know. Same, same. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, it's also been like I've been trying not to fall into buying too many things that are randomly, but y'all, these Instagram ads go so hard (laughs) that they are like getting me so good. Um, But it's definitely been one of those things where it's interesting how like I, you know, you want what you can't have. So I'm in such like a fashion shopping zone mood, but really, oh my God, totally. Because I'm looking at all these cute fits and literally yet if I tell you I've worn anything other than sweatpants for like 98% of quarantine, I'd be lying. So like, I think there's a part of me, you dress up and get your hair and makeup done every day for like the newscast. But there's a part of me that's like, I don't even love that stuff, but I'm like, well, I gotta like hook it up a little bit. Um, So that's why I'm actually really super excited to have our guest on the show today because We get to talk about some fashion, but we also get to talk about the things that we love, which is our ambition, you know, what drives us to to be the 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 first in our family or just the people in our family who are moving things forward. And so um I'm hyped because we got to talk to Liliana Vasquez. Liliana Vasquez, I mean, she is such a dope woman doing crazy, amazing things with her career. And I love that you said that because she represents right like fashion and lifestyle and everything that she does but but just like you said um everything kind of goes back to like her upbringing where she's from everything she's lived um she's a tv host an emmy award-winning tv host a personality she's an amazing interviewer 
a style expert. And she, it all started with a fashion blog because she went to school for something completely different than fashion. And again, how all her experiences have molded her to be who she is today and how she still is, you know, kind of maneuvering and moving around to be um, a successful journalist in fashion in, in, in a world where sometimes it is not easy. You know, oh, yeah. it is not easy to be a woman of color in fashion. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, to to also be in a space where you get to host and you get to host on one of the biggest networks um, and to not have had any previous connections, you know, a lot of it just is like, yeah, like busting your butt and having been in. And she talks about like, you know, being in magazines and feeling uncomfortable in those spaces, um, kind of giving <laughs> gave like a little bit of like Devil Wears Prada vibes. Um, oh, for sure. <laughs> so it's like, you know, the sacrifices that we make and all of the like twists and turns and opportunities that people lean into not knowing where it's going to lead and if it's going to pay off. And I think it's been great because it has for her. So um, if you're yeah. in that sort of situation where you're like, are my sacrifices worth it? I feel like I don't belong where I'm at, you know, unless there's something that's really telling you to move. Chances are it's an uncomfortability that can help you grow. And I think yeah. that that's something that Liliana really speaks to. So I can't wait for you all to hear this episode. Absolutely, for sure. She dropped so many, so much insight into this space that we're also very curious about. And also, uh, you know, a, a lot of these conversations that we've had lately about representation, about making space for others. I think she really embodies that. And she really gave us some amazing pointers as to how others that want to tap into these industries can get a head start, can get their foot in the door. And like she did, started off with something like a blog. Absolutely. So hope you enjoy this episode with Liliana Vasquez. Liliana, welcome to Wait Holds Up. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you guys. I'm so excited to be doing this. I feel like this is my like official initiation into like LA life. Absolutely. You've yes. got to pass through the podcast. I know. <laughs> it's the test. It's the test. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> so a friendly excited. test. It's a friendly test. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah, we're so excited to have you, Liliana. Thank you for taking the time. You know, so much going on. And we're all, you know, we know you're busy with everything that you're doing. But for listeners, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. I don't know. I, I love to call it like that elevator story or, you know, like that 140 characters, which I know is really hard. Um, but yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey. Totally. So I am half Mexican, half Puerto Rican. My mom is from Guadalajara and my dad is from Ponce. Um, you know, it's so funny. It's like, it's such an interesting mix of cultures. And, you know, when people always say, oh, you're like Latin, I'm like, hold up. <laughs> I am half Mexican and half Puerto Rican. There is a difference. There's a difference. Um, <laughs> very distinct cultures in their own way. They're as different as any two things could possibly mm -hmm. be when it comes to music and food and language and accent and just personality of culture. Um, so it was interesting growing up in Texas, which is very Mexican. I grew up in a very Mexican part of Fort Worth, Texas on the north side. And my dad was like the only Puerto Rican. Um, so he was always trying to like push for more PR uh, in my <laughs> life. But I think it's such a beautiful way to grow up. Um, obviously, culture and language, a huge part of who I am. Um, English is actually my second language. So my parents kind of like dropped me off at preschool and were like, all right, Miha, figure it out. Um, <laughs> and I did eventually, I think, as all kids do. And yeah, I had a, you know, a really 
interesting, I would say, upbringing in Fort Worth. I definitely lived between two cultures. Um, my culture at home, very Latin, very Mexican, and slightly Puerto Rican. And then I went to a very white uh, prep school. Mm-hmm. And I was the only Mexican kid in my entire school. Um, I was there on financial aid. But the reason that I went there is because my mom always valued education. Education has been just a pillar and a fundamental, I think, of my upbringing and also ultimately my success. Um, I got a full ride uh, to George Washington University. Yes. graduated from yes. high school, uh, went there. And, you know, I think like a lot of first-generation kids, when you go to college, it's such a big deal. You're often one of the first, if not the first, to attend a four-year university. Um, mm. That was the case for me. And of course, my mom wanted me to major in like something that would lead me to being a lawyer, a doctor, or an accountant, something that is recession proof <laughs> yeah. and that completely did not fit who I was. I'm like, do you know me? <laughs> I wanted to be a doctor. Um, but you know, like all good kids, you want to make them happy. So we settled on business. But my passion has always been media and storytelling. And so I used a lot of my extracurriculars in college to really pursue those passions. Um, I launched a radio station when I was in college, had no idea what I was doing, but I figured it out, which was usually my approach to most things in life. Um, And while I was there, I interned for NPR and really fell in love with what I really called storytelling, the idea of being able to communicate effectively, um, evoke empathy and passion and inspiration in people through words. Because when you work in radio, that's really all that you have, right? You, Mm -hmm. you You don't have the luxury of moving images or photography. And that began a love affair with it. And, you know, I pursued media as much as I could once I graduated um, college. I passed on a banking job, um, much to my mother's disappointment. (laughs) Uh, And I ended up working at a fashion magazine. And I think when I worked at that magazine, I got to really see how privileged um, people were. It was basically like an extension of my high school, right? Like my high school was like the most privileged place I thought that existed in the universe. Yeah, I didn't know what privilege was until I landed in New York City and worked at W Magazine. Um, It's a whole level. Like, you know, I remember the back pages of the magazine would feature like the most insane, one of a kind items in the world. And I would see something with like an $80,000 price tag and be like, sweet, my abuelita's house costs $80,000. Right. I can't believe that people spend $80,000 on like a Birkin bag. Um, You know, and I think it was important to be who I was in that place. because I think it's one thing to see those things, but it's one thing to see those things through the eyes of somebody that didn't grow up with privilege uh, mm-hmm. or access to those things. Um, and so, yeah, when I left W, I ended up going um, and doing my own thing for a while. I ran an accessories company for a few years, tanked it, ran it into the ground. Best lesson of my life. Um, and sometimes, like I said, like the, my biggest failures are ultimately, I think, my biggest success and what teach me how to be really good in very uncomfortable situations or situations that could potentially set me up to lose. Um, and I picked what I think is one of the hardest industries to be in, which is media, right? I, I started a blog in that journey and that blog became really successful. And I turned that into a media career that started off as just a style expert to being a correspondent, you know, on the Today Show, Access Hollywood, and ultimately um, took me to my dream job, which was at E! News. That's amazing. Wow, that is like, first of all, bravo. You got the elevator. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, you got it done. That was one of those stories where I'm like, wait, no, but now I have a question about this moment and that moment. And in particular, I want to go back to W and I want to go back to that moment where you entered into fashion in New York City. So I remember Fashion Night Out 
Oh, yeah. You know, and for those of you who don't know, it started after 9-11. And it was a basically like you would go to Soho and all of these boutiques would invite you in. And it was like the who's who of the fashion world. And you drink and you would probably end up at some really cool frou-frou club at the end of the night. And you'd be like hobnobbing with like models who like look down on me because I'm 5'3", but also because I'm not a model. And like, you know, and the fashion world in and of itself is intimidating. It is, I think, very, it can be very snooty. It can be, and, and W is probably one of the most premier prestigious places for you to land. So it's not even like you're landing in a spot that has some sort of like, you didn't land at like um, house home and gardens or like real simple, you know, you land yeah, yeah, yeah. in like a space where it's like, especially at that time, what it sounds like is like, this is like pre-influencer phase where we're actually considering how like diversity in skin color and body type in all, you know, ability. So walking into that world, what was that like for you? And how did you stay grounded in yourself as a newbie in this environment? You know, it was really, really hard. Um, you know, I was 22 years old and I remember thinking, what did I, why am I doing this to myself? There were days that felt really punishing. You know, I did not fit in. Um, I was making $27,000 a year um, as a salary. And that was impactful because that is the money that I made. That was it. I don't have parents that can like pay my rent or send me an extra $1,000 every month. That's just not what I had. And everyone around me, all the other assistants came from a lot of privilege and they lived in apartments that their parents bought them. You know, they lived in apartments that their parents paid the rent on. And so on most days when they would go out for like drinks after work, I would have to go home and like heat up ramen noodles and eat tortillas with mantequilla because I couldn't afford to go do those things. Um, But, you know, whenever I struggled with that, my mom always, always brought me back to being an eight year old little girl walking into the gates of Fort Worth Country Day for the first time. And she said to me, if you did that at eight years old, right? And you were able to walk in and not just like be a part of that class, but excel and succeed and grow and get yourself to a place where you got into college on a full scholarship. And now you're working at the most prestigious fashion magazine in the United States. Like you, these girls have nothing. Mm. And mm-hmm. I always had to go back to that and say, listen, I don't have the things that these people have. I don't have the luxuries of being able to go out for $16 drinks after work. But what I do have, you cannot buy. Like you cannot buy intelligence. You cannot buy life experience. You cannot buy passion for your work. And most of all, you cannot buy work ethic. And that is what made me feel so different and so special and so successful in that role. It wasn't about the things. It was about what my parents taught me. It was about the lessons I learned for myself. And that's honestly what got me through. Um, and it didn't get me through for a long time because what happens is in that environment, the values of the people that are your leaders don't always align with your values. And that's what I learned very quickly. Um, the people that were in charge there, my leadership team and my direct bosses, they did value things more than they valued experience. And that becomes frustrating for someone that is, mm-hmm. you know, for, I, I'm, a, 
I'm an aggressive go-getter and there's nothing wrong with that. Like I want to grow. I want to learn. Like I want to do more things. I am that girl. And that wasn't value there. And it became very clear very quickly um, that that was going to become a huge hindrance to my success at W. And it made me really frustrated. And at 22, I don't think that you know how to process that frustration in a positive way. Um, And I think you're so emotional and you always feel insecure about like who you are and what you are in the space that I think it led to a lot of like personal mistakes at work. Um, And ultimately I ended up being let go from W. Um, I was in the process of applying for a different job because I knew I wanted out, but you know, God did me a favor and had me fired. Right. Like I'm getting you out of here. Uh, and I ended up going to work somewhere that really changed like the trajectory of my life and showed me who I wanted to be as a leader in an organization, how I wanted to work with people around me and the environment and community that I wanted to be a part of. And that was the Bravo group. It was a Hispanic marketing and advertising agency. And it was the first time that I had ever been around college educated Latinos. And I say that because growing up in Fort Worth, that's not my family, right? Like most of my family did not go to college. Some of my family didn't graduate high school. And so all of a sudden I was living in New York around these incredible creatives, college educated from all over the world. Like we had people from Brazil, we had people from Colombia. Like I had never met anyone from Peru, you know? And it was incredible because it showed me that not only are we so creative and so hardworking, but this community is so smart and they are warm. They're everything I loved about my family in a professional setting. Right. And that changed mm. who I am and forever. It was the best, it was one of the best jobs I've ever had. Wow. You know, it used, so many things that you've said and like have like so many questions that, um, but I'm, I'm curious as to like you being in New York and uh, being, you know, obviously being a host, now being a host and kind of managing a lot of areas, right? Marketing and then a magazine. Like, what does that look like? How, how, uh, how, what do you tell a girl from like, I don't know, Bakersfield, California, who dreams of being in New York, who dreams of working for these spaces? Like, what are those things that you would tell them to do? That advice that you would give them? How do you manage and how do you maneuver in these spaces? Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, you have to be authentic to your experience right? And who you are. I think authenticity is something that I learned later in my 20s. Um, and I think about all the opportunities that I might have missed when I was trying to be somebody else to fit mm-hmm. in, you know? So I think one thing I see about younger women and men now, especially is they are a lot more comfortable with, with who they are. They're not trying to assimilate into anything. Um, and I love that they have that confidence. I didn't have that in my 20s. I probably didn't have that in my early 30s. So I think Number one, authenticity. Number two, confidence. It's critical. And like, you get that from so many different places, right? You can get that from your family. You get that from community. You get that from volunteering. I get that from education. I'm a constant learner. And I think that's one of those keys about moving to New York City is that you always have to be willing to like, I always say New York is a constant bitch slap. Like you will walk walk outside and feel like a million dollars. And then like, like I said, you will eat shit because there's a patch of ice that you (laughs) or like, you will be so excited that like, you know, you were able to like go out for like a dinner. And then the next day, like you'll get like a credit card bill and you're like, damn, Um, it's just 
you you have to be able to just like roll with the punches to go to New York. And you also have, have to be kind of unafraid of being told no. Um, that's just what happens there. And especially mm-hmm. when, you know, you want to be in media or marketing or even PR, like the world is full of people that are going to tell you, no, you just have to know that like, you're just waiting to get to your yes. And you're going to hear a lot. Mm-hmm. And you're going to hear no's that feel like they are ending your journey. Like, right. There's like those little no's that you're like, okay, I'll move on to that. But then like, you'll get a no that you're like, oh, is, is this the <laughs> end? This I've had like two or three of those in my career and you just have to be like, well, it's not up to somebody else to tell me that this journey's done. Only I can decide when it's done. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, and so I think, you know, you have to be unafraid of, of the nose because uh, you're going to get a lot. And I think what happens, especially for this generation, while I think they are really confident and assertive and I think that's wonderful, they also work in Insta time. Um, and success is not instantaneous. And if it is instantaneous, mm-hmm. it's often fleeting. And you have right. what you want and you think you've hit it. And then five years happens and you're like, whoa, what, what have I really built? What have I really done? And so right. be patient, you know, with your success or whatever your version of success looks like. Because when you get it really quickly, like it's often not tangible it's often not honest it's also not sustaining like that's the thing what you get fast can also be gone equally as fast right it's like about the foundation and the work that you're putting in and you know it's interesting because when you say like you're gonna get a lot of no's the thing that I've realized as I've gotten older is like you're gonna get a lot of no's but when you said that you'll get some no's that feel like it's like telling you like that's yeah, it it's a wrap there. you're done pack up your shit go <laughs> I think like that's when it's so important to know your why because if you know your why and you know what <laughs> your purpose is then it's gonna sustain you through the no it's not gonna allow someone else to yeah. dictate your fate and to dictate the future but it took me a very very long time to realize that Because especially being women, being Latinas, having other people be the gatekeepers, we're constantly like, well, they must know better or they must have the answer. And this was the the only person who could open that door for me. And they had to which is why I love to see also the landscape of gatekeepers changing so much. Yeah, for sure. I think when you are, when you are Latina and you are in this industry, like, I don't know about you guys, but like, Sometimes I'm exhausted. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, how hard do I have to fight for a story right. to air? When I look to my mm-hmm. left, see somebody that doesn't look like me, doesn't have two Z's in their last name, barely throw out a half baked idea and they're like, yes, put it on the board. And you're like, right. whoa. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I think sometimes, like, I'll be honest, like, I get tired. You know, I get tired of those. Like, I feel like I'm on this like constant merry go round. I'm just like, I'm ready to get off, you know? Yeah. But then you'll get like one victory and you're like, this is why I'm here. Like, this is why it matters. And then you put that story out into the world and you see what happens. And you're like, okay, this is worth all of those moments where I'm just like, God, why can't this be easier? You know, Mm -hmm. it's okay to get tired. And I think it's why community is so important. Like having, you know, you guys be able to like commiserate with and be like, (laughs) what has happened to you? Like, am I the only one getting shut down? Girl, no. <laughs> I'm like, I wish I could be like, yeah, boo, that's just you, Liliana. Sorry. I know. I'm, like, Sorry. I'm like, no. I've, I've cried in my car so many times after no's, so many times to my parents that like I feel I think of that feeling, right? Of like 
you think it's for you like this is this is it it was written in in your destiny and then it's like no you didn't get it um and then you go cry in your car cry to the wall cry to your parents and yeah you think your career's over life is over you got to go find another job and then with some time like just says like finding your why like oh you know what looking back i would have not been happy there mm-hmm. that would have i would have been miserable there look at where it's going that's not me yeah. and then something comes to you that is completely aligned that it's like molded for you and you're just like all right this is this is the reason why i cried so many times in my car yeah you know yes. this is the reason Absolutely. Oh my gosh. And I think like your idea of like community, right. Is like being able to have those people, have that committee, have that crew that you can go to. And they're like, I got you, you know, something I never really had when I was um, starting out in media as well was like a mentor. And it's really hard to find those individuals. Have you, were you ever able to find a mentor or do you find yourself now in a space where you're like, I want to mentor other people? Yeah, for sure. Um, yes, I, I'm very fortunate. I've had, you know, I, I, there's three women in my life that I think, and it's fine, they're all women. Um, I, I don't think there's been a man. Oh, actually, I take it back. There is one. Um, but yeah, so the, I'm going to actually talk about the man because that's actually really interesting. Um, he was the first person to put me on, let's call it real television mm-hmm. uh, when I was in Philadelphia. And I always think about him because it again, what we go back to like getting a lot of no's, you know, like that funny Lady Gaga thing, which is like, there can be 99 people in the room and it only takes one yes. Yeah. Um, Chris Blackman was my one yes. I had no qualifications that earned me the right to be in the number five market in the country. I had never worked in a newsroom before. I had never been on a news broadcast as a reporter. And he saw my why. Mm. Like he saw my why in that one meeting and was like, you're our new consumer reporter for Channel 10 in Philadelphia. You're on the air in two weeks. Get ready. Go prepare your first story. Wow. And I was Dope. like, okay. And he's like, this is your desk. Here's iNews. And I was like, well, what, what's iNews? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? what? And he's like, oh, okay, we're going to need real quick training. Um, but again, he was like, the, he saw my why. Like he felt it. He saw it. And he was mm-hmm. like, yes. And then, yeah, mentors are so important because they've been through what you've been through, right? They can help offer guidance. And I think for me growing up, I grew up with a mom, you know, my parents divorced when I was 15 years old. And after that, my mom was just like in charge. It was just her single mom mode, like grinding it out to keep me in that private school, make sure I went to college and take care of my brother. That made her strong, but it also made her really hard. And, you know, as young women, we look to our moms or our abuelitas or our tias and, and that we take that with us. And she didn't want to ask for help. She didn't burn when she asked for help. She tried to make my dad help us and it didn't work. And so for me, like, it was really hard for me to ask people for help because I can do this alone. Like, I'm strong. I'm capable. I'm smart. I got this. You don't. Like, you're not getting anywhere by yourself. You really have to be okay, like, asking for help. And sharing a vulnerable part of you and, and being able to do that has really helped. And I think when you create relationships with mentors, you got to come from vulnerability, right? Like yeah. you're asking them for help, but the mm-hmm. only way they're going to be able to help you is if you can really get to like a vulnerable place with them to say like, this is how I'm feeling. Not the things I'm doing at work, the things that you're doing at work are great, but like where the teaching happens is when you really get to an emotional place to say, this is how it's making me feel. Why do I feel like this? And from analyzing those feelings in a professional setting, 
I think that's where the most growth happens with mentors because like most women that lead in their fields, they've been there. They were there before you. They, yeah. So like, you think it's bad where you are now. Imagine where it was 10, 12, 15 years ago. Oh, for yeah. women. Yeah. Um, and so that has been the most valuable part of having these mentors. Right. Yeah. right. And I think that there's also a lot of, there ends up being a lot of overlap, right? We can no longer live in a bubble, especially if you're in media. And I want to speak about that a little bit because, you know, um, I, I think it's fair to say like fashion is absolutely your jam. You know, you're great at it. You developed blogs around it. You um, have a really fashionable um, Instagram page and you have a great eye. And, and I think one of the things that is like was true 10 years ago was that fashion was fashion. You didn't, you only focused on fashion, but what is true today is that you can be into fashion, but it can, it doesn't have to define every part of you. And I think that, you know, what I'm curious about is like how you've been able to say, okay, I'm into fashion, I'm into beauty, I'm into culture, I'm into all of these things, but I'm also going to have an opinion and I'm going to have a voice. And that may at times piss off brands that may piss off my, you know, my bosses that may piss off certain people, because I think there's a lot of fear, especially for people who are in these industries that maybe aren't considered quote unquote political. But in my opinion, fashion is very political. Yet Ellen and I were just having a conversation about how music is political, you know? And, um, so I'm curious about like how you found, have found a balance in those, in that world and being able to speak your truth while also work on something that maybe is lighter at times as well. Well, I think what you just said is that that is my truth, right? Like when I speak an opinion on something, one, I'm sharing what I truly feel. That is the authentic me. Like that is, that is how I feel. That's, those are the things that keep me up at night. Those are the things that I want to help with in my community. And the next thing I want to do after sharing my truth is hope that that provides some level of education, right? I'm not trying to sway people. Like, I I don't think that that's an effective strategy. I I don't think that it's easy to convert people, but I think you can educate people. And eventually, if they have enough education, they'll start thinking in a different way. So I'm contributing to the education of people. I'm never trying to be like, this is good and this is bad. I mean, there are issues for me that are very black and white, but that's for me. And you have to remember not everybody sees the world through your eyes. So I think as long as you're communicating like this is about education and I'm sharing what is the truth to me with other people, people give you the space to do that. You know, I think we get in trouble because we live in this world that is so polarizing, right? It's like, it's this or it's that. And it can't be in the middle. Well, it can. There's a lot of learning to be done in the middle. And so I always go back to that when I am sharing things that feel political to someone else. They don't feel political to me. They feel like my truth. They feel like this is who I am. Like this is where my moral compass points me to, right? Like these are the values that I grew up with. These are the things that I believe. Um, And so it's not political for me, but I understand why other people could perceive it as political. Mm -hmm. I will also say that, yes, like there have been moments, there was a moment this year where I called out an influencer for being on the cover of Cosmo Mexico. Mm -hmm. Now, This isn't some like small influencer. This is a really massive influencer with a huge following. And I'll tell you, like, I didn't have to think about whether or not I was going to share my real feelings about it because I was so angry. In that same day, I had been pitching a um, Hispanic Heritage Month special for September. And I was getting those 
every which way possible. And I was just so tired of our community not being seen and not being given what I think is the respect and attention that we deserve. And then I see one of our magazines, right? Like a magazine, like one of ours that is supposed to reflect, honor, and shine a light on us. And then they shine their light this way. And I was like, that's it, y'all. I'm done. And, you know, I didn't even think about it. I didn't think, oh God, like how many brands that I work with work with her? Is there overlap? Because it wasn't about her. Like I didn't have a personal problem with her. I don't even know this person. It was more that it reflected the bigger issue in our industry. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was speaking about. And when I shared that, I remember my manager called me and was like, I love you. And like, I believe every word that you are saying, but I just want you to know that potentially this could turn people off or away. And she's like, and I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm just telling you that because I'm on your team and I'm just sharing that thought with you. And I said, cool, that's fine. And I said, listen, Liz, if somebody doesn't want to work with me because I'm speaking out about what I think is true, then I don't want to work with them either. Whatever that truth is to you, whatever you're speaking out about, whether it's like local community issues, or for me, it was a blogger that I thought didn't deserve to be on the cover of a magazine, whatever it is, like, I think you have to be unafraid to speak up. But, you know, it's, it's hard. I think I'm in a different place. Um, I'm 40 years old, you know, like that's different. Like doing that at 25, not this girl. Wasn't going to yeah. do it at 25. Right. Um, but I hope yeah. the 25 year olds now have the confidence to do that. And I, and I think that they do. Right. I also feel like, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that you brought it up, uh, Liliana, because there, it was a huge kind of reflection on our, and our community as well. Right. You were very outspoken about, you know, Afro Latinas also getting, giving them the spotlight as well with everything that we were living. Um, and you were, you were even, you know, you, you were considered in these, in these conversations as well. But um, what have you learned through all this? What was, what has been the biggest lesson from that incident and the months after that? Well, I think for sure that a lot of, I think a lot of the work that I was doing and a lot of the work that I'm up for is great. And I'm like grateful for it. Uh, but I think that it took a lot of uh, self-reflection for me to say, there have definitely been times when I've been up for something and thought, I'm probably not the best fit for this. It would be better if like this person got it and, and they don't get it. And I've definitely said no to opportunities because I wanted it to go to somebody, specifically somebody who was Afro Latinx. Um, and it is our job. Like I have so much privilege as a like white passing Latina, like it's real, you know, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. not that I didn't know that, but I didn't publicly acknowledge that. And how many times do I get the job because they want to make a diversity hire or they want someone Latinx, but they want someone but they want someone that the general market doesn't really know is Latinx. Like if you just turn the TV on, right. And you just like, don't know my name. You'd be like, I don't know where she's from. She's who knows. Right. I didn't acknowledge that before. I like knew it, but I, I guess because, you know, I come a lot of times I think when you work in TVs, there's so few jobs to begin with, right. Mm -hmm. There's so few jobs. You come from scarcity 
And it shifted my mind. I'm like, no, I need to come from abundance. And so I think it reframed how I see opportunity. And most importantly, it reframed that I have a responsibility, not like the greater world, like they'll figure it out. But like, I have a responsibility to take action and initiate action on behalf of people that I think are severely underrepresented. And if I'm going to hold other people accountable and the greater good, if I'm going to hold Cosmo Mexico accountable for doing that, well, I got to hold myself accountable first. I have Mm -hmm. to create opportunities or I have to pass on opportunities so that there is an opportunity for somebody that doesn't get to see themselves ever. And to me, like there is no Mm. more underrepresented group within the Latinx community than, than Afro Latinas. I mean, like I have so many friends that are so talented and like, why are they never up for it? Why? You know, super Mm -hmm. talented, diverse, like beautiful, smart, intelligent, great writers. Their names don't come up. I'm in those rooms and I'm like, what? Right. So I think it's like, yes, you can ask the world of everyone else, but like, you got to start with, you got to start with yourself. That's the only thing you're really going to grow from. When you say start with yourself, it makes me, and, and, you know, and the idea of like turning internal, it also makes me think about like the power that we have as Latinas, right? And like, we are, what is our buying power is insane. And it's Mm. in the trillions of dollars. We're the decision makers in the households and how much people tend to respond to where we put our money. And so it's like when it's not only about just like having the conversations and you know, putting people into those positions, especially people who are in power and reminding them, look, like we're relying on you to make sure that that we are staffing and making sure that we're having more diverse newsrooms, that we're putting different people in front of the camera and making sure that those voices are represented. But at the same time that we're looking to brands, we're looking to Cosmo Mexico, we're looking to these individuals and we're like, I don't see you doing right by us. I see you doing, like, I see you trying to like lean into this like very white world. I see you trying to like buy into what it means to be American without embracing Latinidad or whatever it may be. And that we can actually hold people accountable because we are loyal ass customers. We are mm-hmm. loyal ass people. We, matter. we care about how, I mean, I, I live a hot mess right now, but we usually care about how we look. We, yeah. you know, care about what we consume. We want to make sure that our families are good. And that is another way of like really taking back the power. It's in what we say. It's in what we buy. It's in what we do. And I think that for so many of us, it's like, oh, well, I'm not an influencer. Or, oh, I'm not on TV. Or I don't have that ability to like, really impact and it's like we absolutely do once you impact people's bottom lines they start to pay attention they perk up real fast real fast absolutely and you know i also think it's so important that we support each other like our creators our entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. in the community you know like when we were doing we did a whole month of interviews for hispanic heritage month on e-style collective and i wanted to specifically profile artists that were latinx entrepreneurs, specifically in the beauty and fashion space. And, you know, there's so many, like there's so so many. many. And I think like, I want to spend my dollars with those brands. And then if I'm not spending my dollars with them, if I'm spending my dollars at like a department store, I want them to support those brands. Like, why are there no, like, why is there no like Latinx section at Nordstrom? You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, like, do you want to make money? Like, do you you want people to shop your store? Because we'll come shop you. Um, you know, right. like, I think of, like, Alamad Cosmetics, like, she sold out at Target. They only put her in, you know, like, a small fraction of the mm-hmm. Target, and, like, it flew off the shelves. And I just want to see us support our creators more consistently 
Um, because like you said, like if you have our support, you have our loyalty, like you ultimately have our success. And I want more of that. Yeah. It's just, it's like that idea of like, oh, we only have one seat at the table. No, no, no. We deserve the whole table and more, you know, we want to be as diverse as our communities are. We want to be represented in all of these tables and all of these boardrooms. And, you know, I, I, I love that you mentioned, um, beauty and fashion, uh, with influencers, uh, Liliana, because I feel like it's, I mean, I don't know about, about you guys, but just the fashion space has been changing. I mean, you know, more than I do, but in terms of like affordable fashion, like I cannot tell you for me, like being on air every day and the idea of consuming just a lot of products every day. I like, I have like, I don't know how many accounts on rent the runway where I rent, I'm going like completely to just renting my wardrobe because that's just even another subject, right? When we're talking about the fashion space, when we're talking about consumerism, you started the LV guide where you give advice on like, but I mean, I know Jess loves bargains. Like she is our bargain person to go No shame, no shame. <laughs> okay. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm curious as to how you feel about it. What's your take on it and how it impacts to our community? Yeah, I mean, I think fashion for so long, like, I mean, I go back to my days at W and I remember like, I went to like Chinatown and bought some like knockoff Burberry scarf and girl, I rock that. Like I picked <laughs> it up <laughs> Avenue. Like again, no shame in my game. And people are always so surprised. Like they'll be like, oh my God, like you look so cute. What is it? I'm like, oh, well, these are my Chanel slingbacks. And like, this is my forever 21 crop top. And like, this is my Ross dress for less coat. And they're like, because there's to me like first of all like I've always said this like I am the original cheap chica like I wanted to redefine and give new meaning to the word cheap cheap does not mean that like you don't know how to spend your money it doesn't mean that you don't appreciate value it just means that you're savvy about how you spend yes amen you know what I mean that's all it is like yes of course like it's great to shop designer if you have all the money in the world but like don't you get a greater sense of accomplishment and joy from like putting together something that's like under $50 and then you get to like blast that to everyone. And then people are like, wow, I love the fit. And you're like, <laughs> oh, <that's> so <laughs> but I wish there was more of that. Like that's actually one of the things that drives me crazy about influencers is like, I remember, you know, like when this, I think like when people were like first becoming bloggers, like everybody started with accounts that like did kind of, highlight like all their budget finds like forever 21 and century 21 and like you know wet seal whatever charlotte Russe, you know like all that stuff taking us back yes. <laughs> charlotte Russe. and then you know these bloggers you know make more money and they grow up and then all of a sudden they're like in head to toe designer and like me like i'm 40 i'm good y'all like i want to go buy something like i can go buy it but at the same time like i get so tired of it because i love seeing people like mixing high and low like that's inspiring to me and I feel like in the last like three or four years there's been just such a highlight placed on like consumption of designer goods right right and like I think that's wonderful I want to support designers they're artists in their own right but the reality is like most households don't spend more than two hundred dollars like a month on clothes for their family like yeah, right. not for the mom, not for the dad. Like we're talking a family of four. Okay. $200. And I know this because I was the fashion expert on the today show for seven years. 
we couldn't put something on the Today Show that was over $75 unless it was a winter jacket. And that is because mm. average American does not spend like that. So I wish that in our industry, like as bloggers, as fashion influencers, I really wish more people prioritize like sharing inexpensive stuff. It's like Instagram is a highlight reel. People just want to show off how rich they are. Yeah. Like, you know, true. props to you for being able to like buy that stuff. I think that's, I don't want to like shame anyone for their success. That's not right. what it's about. It's about also showing people how to afford things like, and make things that are affordable look really good. Amen. Yes. I'm all about that, especially the styling shit of it, because fast fashion is real. We don't need to wear it once and then dump it, y'all. We've got to like, I have some Forever 21 pants I've had for 10 years. Let's be sure. And they work and they're so cute. Yeah, we love that you also share it because then we also, you know, can get ideas as to what we can do um, with what we have, you know, and what we can buy, what we can afford. Hold on. Yes. So this episode is going to air in 2021. You know, what is it that you're obsessing about for 2021? And maybe is there a trend that you would like to see leave in 2021 as well? Okay, the trend that I want to see gone is ugly shoes. I got no time for it. I got no place for it. Like ugly sneakers? Just ugly shoes. Or just in general? All Hmm. the ugly shoes. All the ugly shoes, like, bye. Like, yeah. Done. Done. The sneakers, like, thank God those are like slowly on their way out. But are there some ugly ass shoes that people are trying to make happen? It's not going to (laughs) happen. I have some in my mind's eye that I am like, I feel you. (laughs) Well, even, well, even like these, I don't know, like these shoes and sneakers that are like ridiculously expensive and they are like not even cute at all. Like, you're just like, what is this? This looks like a, something from outer space and you paid $3,000 for it? Like, I, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't get it. Um, I'm done, yeah. And you know what I'm really looking forward to in 21? It's not necessarily a trend, I would say, is that um, for me, fashion and clothes has always given me confidence. It, it makes me feel like myself. And like most people, I spent most of 2020 in like some version of what I'm wearing right now, like leggings and sweatpants. So what I am hoping for 21 is that there is a return to real clothes and us being able to express who we are through clothes again. Um, I feel like I've had so many like low points. And when I think about it, it's because I don't feel like myself in 2020, you know, like Mm. I just came from workout. So yes, I'm in a sweatshirt and legging, but Mm -hmm. that's not really me. You know, like I love to dress up and I don't do it for Mm. other people. I do it for myself. And in 2020, that just kind of took a backseat because I was sad, depressed, tired, not feeling good. And I just really hope that in 2021, we can return to a place that makes us feel more confident to like be ourselves Mm. through clothes. Um, so I'm looking forward to just like putting on heels and like dressing up, even if it's just to like, go take a selfie in a mirror. I just, <laughs> I, I really love fashion and, and style and it, it helps me feel like myself. Mm. That's, that's, that's also like beautiful in it of like the message, right? Like whatever it is for people, mm-hmm. some people, you know, their workouts, their, you know, their connection to like spirituality, their connection to friendships, like whatever it is that like coming back to yourself because we've lost so much of ourselves in this year. So yeah, for sure. 
Awesome. I love that. Well, Liliana, thank you so much for taking the time. This was such a pleasure talking with you. Yeah. And just thank you so much for everything. And we can't wait to see how you continue to use your voice and influence in the new year. So we right. appreciate you. Well, yeah, you continue are- shining. Thank you. You guys are so sweet. Like I said, this was my initiation into LA. I can't think of two better people to bring me into the fold. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Bye. It was so dope to get to talk to Liliana. We thank her for her energy, for her time. And again, for all that insight into this like very interesting world that she's a part of and that the position that she's she's carved for herself. We're super mm-hmm. proud of her. Yeah, you know, this goes kind of back to a little joy for me, like having these conversations and meeting such incredible women and, and individuals who just have found a way to make an impact in our little slice of earth, right? Um, so I'm super excited. We got a chance to talk to Liliana and you can find all the show notes um, and bio about her on our website, uh, weightholdsuppodcast.com. And of course, you can connect with us and learn more about Liliana and how you can connect with her on our Instagram at weightholdsuppod. Make sure to follow us on TikTok because we're on TikTok now. And of course, if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review on iTunes, sending you lots of good energy. We hope you're staying safe and healthy. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys next week. Yes, mucho amor. Bye. Bye.